It's a great night to be here. You know, we're in the middle of this series, uh, Watch Your Mouth. And, and it's so good because we're doing this not only here at the Newport News campus, but also at the Williamsburg campus. And so we really can get just a whole lot of teaching from the Lord. You know, we were singing about God being our good, good father, you know, and a good father knows how to tell his children when to watch their mouths. And so he's telling, and I, and I hadn't thought that before as we were singing that, that just kind of overcame me, that our God knows what to tell us to do with our mouths because he knows all things. And he's a good, good father, and a good father tells his children to watch their mouths. So he's been doing that for us over these last few weeks. And, you know, I haven't gotten to be here for all of them, but it's been good to listen online. And so I encourage you, if you've missed some or, you know, if you're, you're thinking, okay, well, what are they preaching about over in, in Williamsburg? I mean, God is just pouring out truth in this season for us about our mouths. And so we, we don't have any excuse to have a potty mouth of any kind, right? And so it's good. God's doing a good thing. Another good thing that he's doing is that he's getting us all involved in just posting things on, on social media about uh, just different life-giving words. And every week we've kind of had a different theme. And so... This week was quotes, and so people have been putting them out there and, and uh, just saying their favorite quotes, and you know, it's kind of fun because there's not, I, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life, my husband might disagree with me on this, but where my opinion is the only one that matters, <laughs> but, but since I'm teaching tonight, I'm the one that gets to judge, I'm the only judge, and so I got to look at all those, and I got to decide which one I thought was the best, so I'm just kind of like enjoying that for the moment, but um, I saw this quote that uh, one, of our, one of our people here at City Life had posted, and I want to read it to you, and then I'll tell you who put it up there, you might have seen it, but it's part of the cadet prayer, and it just so reflected what I believe God wants to talk to us about tonight. And this is what it said. It said, make us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And never to be content with a half-truth when the whole can be won. And I want to thank Wendy Sprinkle for putting that out there. So you enjoy this. You enjoy this. And actually, uh, Pastor Fred, he put two of these cards up here, because that's really from the church. I got to judge, but it's from the church. It's not from me. I'm too cheap. But uh, anyway, um, he said, put, I'm going to put this one up there just for a moment of spontaneity. And I thought, oh, I don't do spontaneity too well. But then it hit me too, so I'm glad you did that. Um, Claudia Higgs posted today, and instead of putting hashtag watch your mouth, she put shut your mouth. And really, that's what we need to do. So Claudia, this is for you. So, okay, because um, you want to take this. I like how she just, she just said it right, you know, shut your mouth, because that's what we sometimes just really, really need to do. But you know, uh, this next week, if you want to win one of those cards, uh, we're doing songs this week. So songs that have been life-giving to you, the words of songs that have really spoken life into you. Put them out there, tag them, um, watch your mouth or shut your mouth if we want to start. No, really do watch your mouth at City Life VA. And uh, whoever's preaching next week will get to be the only opinion that matters then and can choose yours, okay? But you know, when we think about these songs and quotes, you know, that we grab hold of and we walk around the house singing or we put the quote up in front of us, maybe on our computer screen as our, as our backsplash or whatever, you know, we, we, we think about that. Why do we do that? Because we want to put it in front of us so that we can say it to ourselves over and over again because we like how it feels. We like how it sounds. And, and the thing is, we talk to ourselves all the time. You know, last week, uh, Pastor Fred 
He, he talked to us so well, and, and, and I listened to it again online this week, and I know a lot of people did. I even heard of some people, you know, not at City Life. I, I shared it with them, and they listened to it. It was so good about, you know, the words that we speak are like a meal that we prepare. It's life and death for us. We're either eating life-giving things that are going to shape us, or we're eating poison, really. And, you know, we, we thought about that a lot in the words that we're saying out loud to others and putting out there out loud. But don't you know that that matters too for what we're saying to ourselves, the words that we're speaking inside of our own heads. And when we're very young, we start doing that. We start talking to ourselves. And, and I want to tell a story to just start us off tonight that kind of just really illustrates that. And I want to tell it about this little girl named Sienna Franks. And uh, she's one of my favorite little girls. I just adore her. You know, my own kids are grown. And, and, I, and when they were home, you know, um, and living in the house, I, I could always get speaking stories from them because, you know, life just happens in front of you. And, and so you always get material, but I, they don't live there anymore. And so I got to watch other people's kids. So if you see me watching your kids, you'll know why I'm doing that. But I want to tell you a story about uh, Sienna. She is just a precious little girl, but I think one of the reasons I really like her is because she's just got a lot of sass about her. Um, she's really tenderhearted and really sweet, but she uh, will tell you exactly what she thinks and exactly what she wants. So a few weeks ago, uh, her family had been at Virginia Beach for the whole day, just enjoying the day, and you know, they were salty and sunburned and just tired, but on the way home, as they were leaving Virginia Beach, they decided to go to Ben and Jerry's for ice cream. Now, that is not the normal place that they usually go for ice cream, but they were in Virginia Beach, so that's what they were going to do. Now, Sienna, she's really a princess at heart, and she loves pink, and that's probably another reason why I like her a lot, because I, I love pink as well. But she likes everything pink, especially ice cream. So she likes strawberry ice cream because it's pink. She likes cotton candy ice cream because it's pink, at least that's what she's told herself in her mind that, you know, if ice cream's going to taste good, it's got to be pink. And, and that's her three-year-old thinking. So even on the way to Ben and Jerry's, she's already talking out loud about the pink ice cream that she's going to get. Now, if you're a parent, you know exactly where this is headed if you know anything about Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> because Ben and Jerry's doesn't put anything unnatural in their ice cream. So that means they put no red dye in their ice cream to turn it pink. But they didn't know that necessarily because they don't usually go to Ben and Jerry's. So they get there to Ben and Jerry's. And, and you can think about this. If you're a parent, you know where this is headed because here's this tired three-year-old who's told herself that ice cream has to be pink to taste good. And, and they're walking into a place that doesn't have any pink ice cream. So, so Sienna gets in there and they wait in the long line. And finally, they're going to get some ice cream. And her mother's trying to help her make a choice. And she gets some white strawberry ice cream because really it's like faintly pink, but to Sienna, it's, it's white. And so she goes to give her a little spoonful of it to taste it, and she starts crying, no, it's got to be pink. And her mom's like looking through the glass, and, and she's like, there's not any pink, Sienna. And she's like, look, they've got cotton candy. And so she gets that out, but it's white. And she's like, no, and she starts screaming, and she starts wailing, and she starts crying and pitching a frit because the ice cream has to be pink. Now, you might be thinking, well, why didn't you just take her out of the store? I mean, that's what I would do if my kid was doing that, right? But it's not always so easy as that because you got to think you got two other little kids, her brother and sister, looking through the window trying to pick their ice cream, and, and you have driven all around the block trying to find a parking place in Virginia Beach, and you put money in the meter, and that money's ticking, and, and then you've waited in this long line of people, and, and you're just trying to figure it all out, and it gets chaotic, and it gets full of strife and all of this, and so... 
her mom is just trying to help her to figure out, you know, what, what kind of ice cream, Sienna, just pick it out. Pick something out. Now, the people behind him in the line, they're starting to get really frustrated <laughs> because, you know, at, at first it's kind of cute. Oh, she wants pink ice cream. But when she's wailing and screaming and you're waiting and her mom keeps getting these little spoons for her to try and she won't even try one, it gets really annoying, right? And, and people start making noises and sounds like, would you just come on and get the ice cream? And, and, and the people that are working behind the counter, they, they, they're starting to feel it too because they, they can feel all the strife of people waiting and, and wanting to get their ice cream. And they're just thinking, who cares if it's pink? Well, Sienna cares if it's pink. She wants the ice cream to be pink. So finally, her mom just says, all right, we're getting an ice cream cone no matter what. She gets the strawberry ice cream cone and she gets down in front of her and she holds it out to her and she says, if you don't eat this ice cream, I'm throwing it in the trash. Now, Sienna, by that time, is just like snotty and, you know, I need my ice cream and crying. You know how little kids get, they just can't even breathe. And, and her mom is like holding it out in front of her. What are you going to do, Sienna? And she takes a lick and she's, and she says, her mom says, what do you think? She's, it's yummy. And, and she takes the ice cream away from her and she keeps licking. She goes, it's yummy. But she's just crying the whole time and she just keeps saying it. It's really, really yummy. You know, church. The strife that we create for ourselves sometimes because of what we speak to ourselves. And it starts at such a young age over the silliest things, and yet so many of us spend our whole lives telling ourselves things that are not true, that matter much more than whether or not the ice cream is pink. And you know, tonight, I believe God wants to talk to us about these words that we speak to ourselves so many of us, these words of presumption. So we're going to get God's word out. And we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. We're just going to pretty much park it right there and read it together. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. You might have a different version, and it might read a little different. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But in the New American Standard Bible, it says this, Through presumption comes nothing but strife, but with those who receive counsel is wisdom. So I personally came across this verse quite a few years ago when I was a young wife and a mom. Um, I had been a Christian for many, many years, but I'd never really been a deep follower of Jesus as far as really being in his word and, and just seeking his face. But at this season in my life, I was doing that. But the thing was, in this season, I also had so much strife going on on the inside of me. I was always in a war about something, it seemed like, on the inside of me, either with myself or with God, or with my circumstances, or with others. And how many of you know, if you've got strife going on on the inside of you like that all the time, it's exhausting. And so I was exhausted. But I had been reading in the Word and seeing that my good, good Father does not have strife in mind for me. That's not what Jesus died to give me. And yet I was so conflicted because I didn't know how to get rid of all this strife that was inside of me, and yet I knew that God didn't want me to live that way. And so the Holy Spirit, in the way that he does, just took me right into Proverbs, and this verse began to come alive to me because he began to give me some revelation about where the strife was really coming from. Because I was always pointing at these things on the outside of, of my life, like that the ice cream wasn't pink, you know? I could point to this circumstance or this thing that I didn't like or this relationship that was a mess, and that's why I had strife on the inside of me, I thought. And yet the Holy Spirit began to use this to show me that, Sharon, you're a victim of your own words. The strife you have is coming from 
yourself. And he began helping me to learn how to watch my mouth and counseling me through these presumptions that I was speaking to myself sometimes all day long. You know, over the years, he has counseled me through so many presumptuous words that I speak to myself. And he's taken me back to this verse again and again and again. Because in my humanity, I am so prone to speak words of presumption to myself. And so when we begin talking about this series and and what we're going to include in this series, this verse is the one that just came to the surface for me. And I began asking the Lord, and he was like, yes, this is what I want you to share with the church tonight about. And, 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 you know, maybe you have seen this verse before, and maybe it's really done a work in your life like it has mine, or maybe... You're like, I've never read that before. I I never even saw it. Because you know what? It's just a little verse in Proverbs. And there's tons of them like that. And and you can just kind of skip right over it. But we're not going to skip over it tonight. We're going to stop and we're going to really dig into it and say, what is this saying? And how can it help me to watch my mouth? So let's start by just looking at some of the words that are right in this verse. The first word, it says, Through presumption comes nothing but strife. So what is presumption? Presumption is a belief that something is true, but it's based on probability. In other words, you believe something is a certain way based on the probability of maybe something you saw or something you heard or something you're feeling on the inside or something you even experienced. And as a result, you're presuming something is a certain way. Just like Sienna presumed that ice cream had to be pink in order to taste good. Now, you might be reading from a different version than me, like I said a minute ago, and so your version may not be using the word presumption at all. You, you might have the word pride or insolence or arrogance. But see, they all kind of come from the same root because when we presume, we're basically having a prideful, arrogant attitude like, I know just how it is. But the reality is it's just based on a probability. It's not really based on truth. That's presumption. So what about strife? Because it says through presumption comes nothing but strife. What is strife? Well, most of us have an experiential dictionary of what strife is. We, we don't need anybody to explain that to us, right? It's conflict. It's dissension. It's the absence of peace. We all know what that feels like. And it starts at a very young age. So Proverbs 13, 10 tells us through presumption comes nothing but strife. I want to give you some examples, and maybe you're probably thinking already in your mind of of some of the words of presumptions that maybe we speak to ourselves just in day in, day out life, and, and how strife sometimes results. So maybe at your job, there's been rumors of layoffs, and I, and I know for some of you, that's not a you know, a hypothetical thing, you know, in this area. That's been a big issue, especially at the shipyard lately. But, but you know these rumors of layoffs are, you know, floating around there, and, and, and you've been wondering about yourself with that, and then you see the district manager come, and you know they're going in to have a meeting, and, and you see them go in, and you start presuming that your name is on their list of people to talk about today. And so you're talking to yourself about that in your head and your day just ends up being horrible because you're in strife all day long with your boss thinking, how could you put me on that list? You know, after all I've done for you, you're, you're in strife with your wife thinking when I go home and I have to tell her, what's this going to be like? You, you might be in strife with God because you're thinking, how could you let this happen to me? God, how am I going to provide for my family? 
Or, or maybe you're even in strife with yourself because you're thinking, man, I just never can seem to make it. All this strife from these words that we start speaking to ourselves. And yet, we don't even know if our name's on the list. Presumption. Or, or what about something like this? You invite some people over for dinner, and, and they say, uh, we can't come tonight because they've got a bunch of work to do. And yet later, you see a picture of them on Facebook eating at a restaurant. And it really stings. Yeah, and we're all kind of laughing because it's all kind of probably happened to all of us, you know? And, and so you start presuming things and just talking to yourself. Did they lie to me? You know, and, and then you start talking to yourself about your relationship with them. And I thought we had a good friendship. And, and then you start going down some roads that are just not good because you're talking about, yeah, man, when they hurt my feelings that time and, and they're always doing these kind of things. And, and, and before the night's over, you've been crying tears over the rejection and you don't even know why they were out to dinner. <laughs> you just saw a picture that they're there. Presumption. Or, or maybe presumption starts speaking in these kinds of scenarios. Maybe you've got an opportunity to go to this special event, but you know that, that you're probably not going to know anybody there. And so you start speaking to yourself before you even get there that you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> and, and, and you're just in total strife by the time you get there of just like feeling so insecure and, and uncomfortable. Or, or maybe you're in this new romantic relationship and, and you're all caught up in the feelings of that. And presumption tells you that God wants you to have this relationship because it feels so good, but there's things going on in this relationship that maybe in the moment aren't going to produce strife, but down the road could, but you're just basing it all on the way you feel in that moment. <laughs> or maybe you find out that your child got in trouble at school and you just presume that the teacher doesn't like them. So you just start having conversations in your mind with that. <laughs> produces strife that lasts maybe the whole school year long. Or, or you've had one trial after another this week, and you just start presuming, God's forgotten all about me. And you go down that trail of thought conversation in your mind. Or, or maybe you send your spouse a text in the morning, and normally they respond pretty quickly, but it's noon and they haven't responded, and you start presuming they were in an accident. And like 10 minutes later, you've got them dead and buried in the ground and trying to figure out what your life's going to be like. I mean, we create all this strife for ourselves of these things that we talk to ourselves about that are really just based on probability. And it comes up in all different kinds of scenarios and different ways, and it creates strife in us. A strife that also drives out into many um, directions in the landscape of our day and our thoughts and, and our emotions. And lots of time, in fact, most of the time, the strife also affects the people around us. Even if it's just a conversation that we're having on the inside of our own heads. You know, most of the time it does take place on the inside of us, but a lot of times, too, if, if given toward this type of presumptuous talk long enough, we can start to speak words of presumption out loud. Have you ever said this before? I know that's what she thinks. Have you ever asked her what she really thinks? Or when he said that to me, this is what he meant. Did you ask him what he meant? Or I'm positive that's what they were doing. And that's because they told you that's what they were doing? Or, or maybe this, God certainly wouldn't ask me to do that. How do you know he wouldn't ask you to do that? Or, I just know we're going to come out on the short end of this deal. Is that because we can see into the future? 
Or, or maybe I am more than aware of how they're going to respond when I tell them this. Why don't you give them a chance to respond? Church, if we would just learn to lick the ice cream cone, you know, and get a taste of truth, we might find out how yummy truth really is. I know the other day, I was talking to a friend. We were actually conversing through text, and, and she was telling me in this text that she was having a really hard time. She was really upset about something, and, and I texted her back, and I said, well, do you need to talk? And, and she said, maybe, but when I say it out loud, I know it's going to sound so silly. See, sometimes we might even realize that we're speaking words of presumption, but left to ourselves, we just keep right on talking, right? We've got to realize two things. In our humanity, we are broken people with a broken bent towards doing things in broken ways, even the way that we talk to ourselves. But here's the second thing. In Christ, we are set free to a new way of life, a new way of talking, and we can begin to speak a language of truth, even to ourselves, not just out loud to others, but to ourselves. In fact, I believe that's probably the most important place to be speaking at first. Proverbs 13.10 is very clear about how this language shift happens, how you're going to shift from a language of presumption that you speak to yourself toward a language that's going to bring wisdom into your life. It's all about receiving counsel. Because when we humble ourselves and we listen to counsel, often the presumptions that we're speaking to ourselves, either inside our heads or maybe we're even saying them out loud, they get revealed for what they really are, silly just like my friend said in her text. And you know, when we uh, got to talk about it later, my friend, she was fine. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit had counseled her. I had given her some counsel. She had humbled herself to that. She had even spoke some truth to herself. And there was peace. So the next time we were together and I asked her, hey, how are you doing about this? She was fine. The strife was gone because she recognized the presumption for what it really was. It was just silly. So, so let's think about this idea of counsel a little bit more. You know, in the original language that this was written, the word counsel actually means to deliberately consult together to find out truth. To deliberately consult together to find out truth. It's this idea of being intentional and deliberate and seeking out words of truth instead of words of presumption, these half-truths or these half-lies, if you want to call them that. You know, even if you're drowning, and prideful tears like Sienna was, you can still be deliberate, even in that moment, to find out the truth. But see, it's hard to do that. It's hard to let go of these presumptions and silence them. And, and, and we might think, well, why is it hard? Well, it's hard because they're so rooted in pride. And, and pride is really hard to lay down. And, and the other thing about presumptions is a lot of times in the moment, because all of us have different hurts and insecurities and vulnerabilities. A lot of times the presumptions that we speak to ourselves are kind of feeding those insecurities. They kind of validate some of our hurts sometimes. And so they feel good in the moment. And so a lot of times we don't want to let go of those things. But see, when we look at what God's word here, our good, good father, and he says to us, if you keep talking to yourself that way, all you're going to get is strife. Nothing but strife. Just like Sienna's mother said, if you don't lick this, I'm throwing it in the garbage. You're going to get nothing, okay? And then there would really have been strife, okay? God is saying to us, if you keep on with this kind of talk, you're only going to get strife. That's all you're going to get from it. 
Last week, you know, um, Pastor Fred, he took us to 1 Peter 3. And I have long loved that passage. Um, I like it because it's like God is just looking at us and saying, do you really want to enjoy your life? Well, here's what you need to do. Because the passage starts out, let him who means to love his life and see good days. And then it starts listing some things that we're supposed to do. And Pastor Fred talked about how we're supposed to, to you know, turn away from evil with our speech and, and, and do good. He talked about that last week. In this list also is he must seek peace and pursue it. See, most of us want peace. We want peace in our lives, but it's not going to fall on us. God comes into our lives as a good, good father, and he says to us, do you want to enjoy your life? Do you want to have peace in your life? Well, then you've got to pursue it. And I hear the same tone in this part of 1 Peter 3 as I do in, in Proverbs. <laughs> That's what it was like to me, you know, 20 years ago when the Lord really first showed me this verse. It was like God was saying to me, okay, Sharon, I see that you have all this strife. You see that you have all this strife. If you want to love your life and you want to get rid of all of this strife, then you're going to have to be intentional about pursuing truth, pursuing wisdom over all this presumptuous talk. So let's look at some of the ways that we actually do that, that we can be intentional, we can be deliberate about getting some counsel so we'll stop talking to ourselves in these ways. We all do this kind of talk in different ways, but the truth of the way the language shift is going to happen is through counsel. So let's think about the counsel of the Holy Spirit. You know, all of us, if you are a believer in Christ, if you've made a vow of devotion to him, then you have a counselor. You have the perfect, best counselor there ever was living on the inside of you. God himself, who has all knowledge, and he lives within us. And sometimes I imagine that the Holy Spirit, our counselor, is hearing us. He's just standing there hearing us, wailing and whining about all the strife in our life. And it's like he's just holding out the ice cream cone, waiting for us to just lick it and listen to what he has to say to us. Jesus knew how broken this world is because he lived in it. He lived here. And he knew in humanity form we don't have all the information we need. And I know that he sent us the Holy Spirit for so many reasons, but one is because he knew we needed a 24-7 counselor in our lives to be able to get through this life with the kind of victory and blessing that he wants to give us. We need more information than what we can get out of our own senses. We need more wisdom and perspective and truth. Because in our brokenness, we will naturally make presumptions based on what we see and hear or experience. You know, there's a passage over in Isaiah, if you want to turn there with me, Isaiah 11. It's actually a prophecy of, of Jesus, the Messiah, coming to earth. Isaiah prophesied this about him. We're going to start in verse 2. Verse 1 identifies this is Jesus. I'm not going to get into why. It's a little complicated. We're not going to do that tonight. Just trust me. I'll explain it later if you'd like to know. But just trust me that this is talking about Jesus, and it's describing what he's going to be like when he comes on the earth as Messiah. And it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So when Jesus was here, the spirit was literally resting on him, giving him all of these things. And now zoom in here with me on verse three, because this is so powerful if we can grab a hold of this. It says, he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. 
That's how Jesus lived when he was here taking on humanity. He didn't walk through life letting his senses tell him the way that things really were. Instead, the Holy Spirit rested upon him and was continually giving him counsel. And that's why he was able to walk through life completely sinless, absolutely free of strife. He didn't judge by what his eyes saw or his ears heard. He humbled himself to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to do. We've got to humble ourselves to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Will I humble myself and receive what he's trying to speak to me, or do I just remain arrogant in my prideful presumptions, basically what my senses have told me, so I know this is the way it is? Now, you remember earlier tonight, we talked about how some of the versions use the word uh, pride or arrogance, some use the word presumption. Well, it's because presumption carries pride with it. So to listen to counsel is to lay down your pride. And let the Holy Spirit show you truth. You know, many of us are dealing with a lot of strife in our lives tonight. And it's because we are presuming things to be certain ways. And we're talking to ourselves based on those presumptions. This seems right to me, so I'm sure that it's true. This feels right to me, so I'm sure this is what God wants. I saw this, so I know this is how it is. Do you know that the Bible tells us our hearts are deceitfully wicked? We don't know exactly how it is. Pursuing peace in our lives is a continual conversation that we have to have with the Holy Spirit all day long, where we're saying, show me what the truth is. Help me to not judge this situation by what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling, but show me, reveal to me, give me wisdom. I'm gonna be quiet, I'm going to shut my mouth, like Claudia said, and I'm going to listen to the counsel that you have for me. Now, there's a lot of ways that we receive the Holy Spirit's counsel. I think the the main way is through the Word of God. And I think we have to realize this, this is not a book. It looks like a book. You buy it in bookstores. You download it onto your Kindle or your phone and your iBooks or whatever. And, and all of that looks just like a book, but it is not a book. This is the living, active word of God. Words will jump off the page and speak and counsel us. That's why it's so important that every day we're in this word, many times a day, meditating on it, thinking on it, memorizing it, getting it in our hearts, because that's the language that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. That's how he counsels us. Another way that he does that is through prayers. We're just talking to him about what we're reading in here. The Holy Spirit's giving us counsel. We're walking through the day. Sure, we see the thing come up on Facebook. But instead of just judging that and getting into this presumptuous conversation with ourselves, we say, what is that, Holy Spirit? Give me perspective on that. And he keeps us free from strife. You know, we can have so much presumption in so many areas of our lives, but I want to share a personal example here that really deals with presumption in relationships. Because how many of us know We definitely need the Holy Spirit's counsel for relationships. A lot of you know that uh, Shani Miller and I work together and establish footsteps along uh, with Marvin. And uh, because we are a women's ministry, like Stephanie said earlier, but we we do men's ministry now too, building the bridges in Haiti and the different things that we do. But, you know, Shani has brought so much to establish footsteps since she came to work with us. And I love her dearly as a sister in Christ and as a fellow ministry partner. I, I often tell people about Shani when I'm describing her that she is a warrior woman for Jesus like I have never known, you know? And I love being around her because it's infectious to me. That's right, you can clap for Shani. I do all the time. So 
We have a great friendship and sisterhood in Christ and ministry partnership together. But how many of you know, even in the best of relationships, challenges can happen, right? So I, I'm going to tell you about a challenge that Shani and I hit last uh, winter. And just so you know, she's good with this, so don't be like feeling nervous for her or anything she knows. Um, in fact, she prayed for me before I came up here about that. Like, don't say anything bad about me. No, she did. She's, she's good. We're, we're all good with this. But so last December, Shani and I were both in a season where we were hurting over some things and dealing with just being really tired, to be honest with you. And we, we hit a time of really serious misunderstanding about something. And how many of you know when that happens, that's like uh, just, it initiates all this presumptuous conversation in your mind, right? When that happens, especially in a relationship of somebody that you really care about. And, and maybe some of you are even thinking about some of your own relationships right now. So during that time, I kept asking the Holy Spirit to give me insight and wisdom, to counsel me through those moments, because I knew in my brokenness, I was setting up presumptions already, talking to myself about what Shani meant about this comment, or what she thinks about me, or what's going to happen in the ministry if she decides she can't work with us anymore. I mean, just going down all these roads of presumptuous conversation. And the Holy Spirit was so good to counsel me through that and to keep cleaning them out, literally sometimes hour by hour, especially when we were in the height of that misunderstanding. And Shani and I worked through things, and, and it really was just a beautiful reconciliation, and we, we've had a, a great year in ministry together, and God's been doing some, some great things. But what I didn't realize was that even though we worked through things, that Shani was still struggling through some presumptions that she had about our conversation way back in December last year. So about last month sometime, I think, she asked if we could sit down one day and talk through it all over again. In other words, she was seeking out my counsel. Now, I'm going to come back to this story in just a minute, but I want to keep diving into this idea of receiving counsel because we've talked about receiving counsel from the Holy Spirit, but what about receiving counsel from one another too? Because a lot of times, we're presuming things to be a certain way, and if we would just ask, we would really know what the truth is. But so often it's easier to just stay behind our presumptions and just keep having a conversation in our mind of the way we think it is. And we do that for a lot of reasons, but really they're all rooted in pride. But what did Proverbs 13.10 tell us we're going to get if we just keep conversing with those presumptions? Nothing, say it with me, nothing but strife. That wasn't very good. Say it again. Nothing but strife. Right. So how much better to be deliberate about receiving counsel and getting wisdom? Wisdom is so much better than strife. And remember, that word counsel means to be deliberate. We ask the person who has the knowledge of the truth to give us insight so that we're not just basing it on what we see and we think and we feel. Now, I don't mean just asking anybody. Because you could go ask somebody who can just give you a bunch more presumption. And sometimes that's what we do, right? And that's a whole other sermon for another day, all right? But I've found that over the years, if I will be deliberate about pursuing these conversations that sometimes are just really uncomfortable and really hard, that the Holy Spirit can get in there and work and do some beautiful work to where relationships are built like what Pastor Fred was talking about during communion. See, that's the kind of relationships that the Holy Spirit wants to pour into our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. You know, when I think about presumptions and relationships, I, I can't help but think of, of King Saul, you know, the first king of Israel. 
His life was marked with presumptuous thoughts. And and the strife that it produced in his life continually ensnared him for so many reasons and just, you know, wreaked all kinds of havoc. I mean, it destroyed the kingdom. It destroyed his relationship with his family, with, with his kingdom. It literally took his life from him. But one of his greatest areas of presumption was in his relationship with David. Because Saul thought that David was out to try to take the kingdom away from him. He believed that. And he had so many conversations in his mind about that that he literally became like a crazy man. But the whole thing was, that was not really true. I mean, David, yes, had been anointed as the next king of Israel, and he became the next king of Israel. But that was God's doing. David was not trying to take him out. In fact, he had many opportunities where he could have taken Saul out, but he was waiting on the Lord, and he didn't take those opportunities in the flesh. He waited on the Lord for that. But Saul presumed differently. There was a time, if you go back to um, 1 Samuel 18, there was a, a time when David was coming back from battle and all the women were singing because he had, you know, had this really victorious time and they were all singing that Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Well, Saul heard that. And this is what the Bible says was his response. Verse 8 of chapter 18, 1 Samuel. It says, Then Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me... They have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. And you know what fueled those suspicions? His presumptuous conversations that he was having inside of his head. And the strife that came from them not only enveloped his own heart, but the whole nation. And it destroyed so much. Nothing but strife comes from presumption. I wonder... What if Paul or Saul had had a conversation with David? What if he had said, David, can I talk to you? This is the way I see it, but what is really going on? Now, I guarantee you that would have been a really, really hard conversation. I mean, pride would have been laying all over the floor. Because the thing is, Saul really needed to humble himself to the Lord, too, because he had been trying to counsel him, and Saul wouldn't listen. And and I'm not saying that if he had had a conversation with David, like the kingdom would have been restored to him and all of that. I don't think that would have happened. I don't know. But I do know that that he could have at least lived out his his latter years in, in renewed peace with the Lord. And certainly all this destruction that came from the strife would not have happened to the kingdom of Israel. If he would have just asked to have a conversation instead of continuing in his prideful, arrogant presumptions. You know, I want to go back to this story with Shani and I because Shani really wanted to be free from the strife that was just happening in her heart, from the presumptions that that she was having a conversation with. And so months later, I mean, months later, it was hard to open all of that up again, but she was deliberate in pursuing that. She was willing to do the hard thing, and I'm so grateful for that because she did pursue that conversation. And I'll be transparent with you. I, I, was, I was pretty nervous about that. So I started seeking the Holy Spirit's counsel again. And how many of us know when we receive counsel from the Holy Spirit, he usually does so much more than we can even imagine? I cannot even describe to you the heaven that came down on the beach that day as we sat at Fort Monroe for like four and a half hours 
And Shani shared with me some of the things that were going on in her heart, and I was able to speak into them. And it birthed for me to be able to even share some of the things that I still had some presumptions in my head, and I didn't even realize it. God did such a cleansing work. Strife could have grown, but instead, because of that deliberate pursuit of counsel with one another that was hard, but oh, it produced beautiful things that took us into such a different realm in our relationship, our ministry partnership, and our sisterhood in Christ. See, when God works in those ways, just like he's told us to do, to consult together, beautiful things can take place. It doesn't mean it's always going to happen overnight. You know, when you, when you get counsel, like if you go to a counselor, if you're seeing a counselor, you don't walk in there and sit down for 10 minutes. They tell you like, oh, okay. And you're like, your life is fixed. I mean, counsel, right? I mean, I, if that's happened to you, praise God. I don't think it happens often. Counsel usually is ongoing. So you might have tried that before and go, it didn't work. See, I told you that's the way it is. That's your arrogant presumption. That may not be the way it is. You just might need to do it again. Consulting together, you're deliberately doing that until you get to the truth. And the beautiful thing is, once we've spent that time with the Holy Spirit, letting him counsel us, and we receive it, because that's the word here in Proverbs 13, 10, those who receive the counsel, not just hear it, but you receive it. You take it into yourself. You meditate on it. You think on it. You let it become a part of the way you think and talk to yourself. When that happens with what the Holy Spirit gives you and the counsel you've gotten from someone else who actually has the truth, you know what begins to happen? You begin to get your own voice of truth that can counsel yourself. Because we ought to be able to grow up to be able to counsel ourselves too. I love in the New Testament how when um, Paul is writing, you know, he's writing to believers. But I often hear a tone in, in his writings that he's also speaking right back to himself. And I know he's doing that because if you read in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he talks about preaching to others, but he says, I don't want to be disqualified. You know, it's like he's saying, I say these things to myself too. I preach to myself. I tell myself what to do. And as we grow up in Christ, yes, we ought to be able to receive the counsel of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be able to receive the counsel of others. But we ought to be able to receive the counsel of truth from ourselves too. See, like next year, when Sienna goes back to Ben and Jerry's as a four-year-old, she ought to be able to walk into that store and go, man, this white ice cream in this place tastes amazing, right? Because she knows it should rise up in her and that truth should speak to her. You know, just like kids, they, they learn a language and they get more and more proficient in that language. And so they, they stop wailing and babbling and grunting, but they start speaking a language that's true and makes sense. That's what we need to do as believers. We need to grow up and learn how to talk to ourselves with truth. I want to go back to this example with Shani and I one more time. promise it's the last time, okay? But the day before our conversation on the beach, Shani sent me an email, and it included a picture that she called uh, chicken scratch. So the Holy Spirit had really directed her to write out some of her uh, deep hurts and vulnerabilities in some areas, and they were kind of just like in these little boxes, and, and just to be able to see how they connected together to just really create some of the vulnerabilities in her that, that really created some of these presumptions that were having a voice in her life. And, and this is a really personal page to Shani, and, but she gave me permission just to show it, but I wanted to give you an idea of what this looked like. Because see, here's what happened. As she shared this with me, I learned some new truth that day that I could speak to myself. The Holy Spirit really revealed some things to me. I realized that I have a chicken scratch page. 
And I realize that everybody has a chicken scratch page. You do too. You just may not have realized it till now. Even if we don't take the time to write it out, given the chance, all of us have a life story. We've got a hurt in this box, or we've got a, a conversation that we had over here with this person that really left us with gaps in our heart and, and some woundedness. And, and we've got things that, you know, if we took the time to write it all out, all kinds of things connect together to create vulnerabilities in us that cause us a lot of times to lean toward those places of presumptuous talk. And that day that we talked and I heard Shani's presumptions and I was given the opportunity to speak truth into those. And, and she heard some of mine and, and she spoke truth into mine. I realized that, you know what? We all have one of those things and we're all broken people. And you know, you might think, well, I knew that. And, and so did I. But that day, the Holy Spirit just took it to a whole new level of revelation for me of compassion and understanding and realizing it's not all about me and the way I think and the way I see it. So in, in the last few weeks since that conversation, I mean, how many of us know every day we're given opportunities to speak words of presumption to ourselves? There's, there's situations where somebody speaks to us with a tone or sends us a text that we don't like or we see something or whatever it is and we can start speaking with presumption to ourselves. But you know what? The Holy Spirit just keeps bringing that, that chicken scratch page up in my heart and, and I've used it to speak to myself and say, Sharon, everybody's got a page. Don't be so quick to, to think you know exactly what they're thinking or what they meant or, or what they said. Don't think your page is the only page that matters. I've been counseling myself with that truth because I've learned that language and I don't think I'll ever forget that chicken scratch page, you know? And peace has resulted in a lot of places where even just the last few weeks, I would have been prone to talk. Still, after all these years, the Holy Spirit is still having to counsel me through. I want to read 2 Corinthians 10, 5 as we bring this to a close. It says, We destroy speculations and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. You may have never thought about presumption being in this verse, but it is. Because presumption steals the good things, the knowledge of God, right out from under you. It steals the good things that God is wanting to pour out, the blessing and peace on your life. It takes it right away from you. And so we've got to tear those things down. And we've got to silence them. And we've got to watch our mouths. Because presumption comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. I mean, tonight we've really talked about it in regard to relationships. But you can speak in presumptuous ways to yourself about your job, about your family, about this church, uh, you know, about other organizations that you're a part of. You can speak about God to yourself in presumptuous ways. You can speak to yourself about yourself in presumptuous ways. We got to know the truth. We have to know the truth, church, and we need to speak to ourselves with truth and listen to the Holy Spirit counsel us in truth and to others as well. And tonight, maybe you might identify with Sienna. You know, maybe it might feel like you're standing in the middle of your life creating chaos and strife like a three-year-old for yourself and for others all around you. God is speaking as a good, good father to you, and he's saying, watch your mouth. Clean out the presumptions with some counsel so I can bless you with peace. We're going to sing a song in just a minute, you know, and I love to worship. But you know, a lot of worship, a lot of times we think of worship and it's our hands in the air and it's extending and saying, God, I love you. And, and oh, that's worship. 
You know, worship is really also bowing our knee to the word that the Lord gives us and saying, I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey you, God. That's worship. And so what this might look like in this moment as we respond to this word from our good, good father is that you might need to come to the counseling room with the Holy Spirit, which I would say is like right up here, and let him, let him talk to you right now about some of the things you've been telling yourself. Or it might even look like this. You might never have thought of this as a worship moment, but maybe you might need to walk across the room during this song and put your arm around somebody and say, can we have a conversation after church? Or maybe it would mean you pull out your phone and you text somebody that's not here and say, can I meet you tomorrow for coffee? Because I want to talk to you about some things. Because you want to respond to the counsel that the Lord is calling you to live in. Or maybe even in this moment, you need to have a conversation with yourself and preach truth to yourself that you know that language, but you've been talking in toddler talk to yourself all week long. But you know the truth. Whatever it needs to look like, church, we want this to be a moment where we bow our knee to the Lord and we say, I heard you, Daddy. I heard what you said to me tonight, and I want to obey you because I want the peace that you have for me. So let's worship in whatever way that needs to look like for you.
You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And we are loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Thank you for that I'm loved by you. Yeah. Oh, you are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. get some Ben and Jerry's ice cream on the way home? Let's, let's not let that be the only thing that we do. Because if that's all that we do, we're going to go to bed tonight with a smile because our stomach is satisfied, but there is something deeper in you that needs to be satisfied. And that's to take this meal that was so well prepared for us tonight and to feast upon it. It's, it's interesting in the book of Genesis that after Adam and Eve committed the very first sin in creation, the very first thing that they did was to go and hide. Jesus, you came and paid such a great price for us so that men and women who walked upon the sacred, hallowed ground that our Father has created would never have to hide in our sin again. That, Father, just as there is forgiveness that we can find from you, that there is forgiveness that we must find from one another. There is forgiveness that we must give to one another. And we thank you for that story that Sharon shared tonight about the exchange of forgiveness that happened between her and Channing. Oh, God, may it be that every exchange of forgiveness that needs to happen in this room to be extended and received, oh, God, may it be that it would come. Father, for people that are listening on this podcast who weren't even here tonight, it might be people that are going to listen to this message years from now. May it be that we would not be a people of hiding, but we would be a people of the light. And that we would walk in the grace, Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price for us to have. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody sit together. Amen. We'll see you next week.